the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The John Steigerwald Show, sponsored by Service Master of Greater Pittsburgh. Demand the yellow van. Portions of today's program may be pre recorded. Another tough week. Yeah, our huge staff had to go through a lot of strong candidates, but, you know, that's why we pay them the big bucks. We were able to come up with a winner. And now, it's time for the Jerk of the Week, starring John Steigerwald. If there were a lot of candidates in the group that showed up in Congress for the hearings on the government's weaponization of the media, and Hunter Biden's name seemed to come up a lot, and lots of former Twitter employees had lots of explaining to do, but didn't do a very good job of it. And Sandy Cortez lost her patience. So they've dragged a social media platform here in Congress. They're weaponizing the use of this committee so that they can do it again. A whole hearing about a 24-hour hiccup in a right-wing political operation. That is why we are here right now. And it is, it, it's just a, an abuse of public resources, an abuse of public time, we could be talking about health care. We could be talking about bringing down the cost of prescription drugs. We could be talking about abortion rights, civil rights, voting rights. But instead, we're talking about Hunter Biden's half-fake laptop story. I mean, this is an embarrassment. Yeah, half-fake. Sandy is an embarrassment. Uh, this is a person who was perfectly okay with wasting time on two impeachments of a president who did nothing to deserve to be impeached. And you talk about a lot of time wasted on that. And he had no chance of being convicted, of course. And, and someone who probably stood up and applauded uh, the lies of a, uh, a demented president about 40 times a couple of nights ago. And Sandy, with her checklist of all the things she wished she could have spent time on instead, is a perfect example of why it's always a good idea to make sure Congress, especially people like her, spend as little time as possible trying to, you know, help the American people. It's not the first time, and it won't be the last time, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez wins the AM1250 The Answer Jerk of the Week Award. And when we come back, speaking of wasting time, the FBI was spending time spying on RTCs. And what are RTCs? Radical Traditional Catholics. That was until a whistleblower put a stop to it. We'll talk about that. And we're also going to talk about a woman who was in the transgender business, and she got out of it, and she's blowing the whistle. As the Biden administration ratchets up its war on Americans' right to keep and bear arms, a groundbreaking new book from Regnery Publishing pushes back and offers hope for the future. Professional firearms instructor and veteran gun store owner Larry Correa's new book, In Defense of the Second Amendment, pulls back the curtain on Washington's gun-grabbing agenda and how you can protect your rights. You'll learn why gun-free zones are are more dangerous for college students and average citizens. How so-called gun control laws handcuff law-abiding Americans while allowing dangerous violent criminals to run wild in our cities. And offers solid details on how America has a history of gun ownership that is under attack by liberals in Congress. If you care deeply about protecting your Second Amendment rights and keeping your family safe, you must read In Defense of the Second Amendment, new from Regnery, available now at Amazon. Amazon.com and wherever books are sold. This is an important notice to consumers facing $10,000 or more in credit card debt, medical bills, or other unsecured debt. You may not be required to pay it all back because there are special programs now in effect that will significantly reduce the amount you will owe if you qualify. This is not bankruptcy or a debt consolidation loan. These programs, which the credit card companies like to keep secret, exist to aid American consumers struggling with overwhelming credit card debt by offering tremendous savings and real debt relief. Accredited Debt Relief has established a special hotline for you to call and learn what savings you qualify for. 
They've helped qualify consumers with over a billion dollars in debt and are A-plus rated with the Better Business Bureau. So don't wait. Get the relief you need during these hard economic times. For this free information, call the Accredited Debt Relief Hotline now. Call 800-786-2300. 800-786-2300. That's 800-786-2300. Hey, I'm Andy. I started Harry's because I was frustrated with buying razors at the drugstore. And when I say frustrated, I mean like so upset I called my friend Jeff. Hello, this is Jeff. Jeff, I'm at the store, and I don't get why these razors... Cost so much? Yeah, and do they need to look like robots? Ah, dude, I know, and it's so frustrating how expensive they are. Getting ripped off sucks. We gotta do something about this. Why don't we make our own high-quality razors at much better prices? Actually, I heard about this German razor factory that makes some really high-quality blades. Really? Okay, maybe that's not exactly how it went. But we did buy that German factory, where we're turning high-quality steel into super-sharp blades for a smooth shave at a great price. Seriously, as low as $2 per cartridge. Over the past 10 years, 20 million people have tried Harry's. Join them and get your starter set now. That's a five-blade razor, weighted handle, and shave gel, all for just 3 bucks with free shipping. Backed by our quality guarantee. If you don't like it, it's on us. Just go to harrys.com now and enter code MODERN at checkout. That's harrys.com code MODERN. If you're with Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile, you're paying too much for your wireless service. Because Pure Talk gives you the exact same 5G coverage as one of those big carriers on the exact same network, but saves the average family over $800 a year. And Pure Talk doesn't lock you into an overpriced, unlimited data contract. Why pay for data you don't need? Instead, get unlimited talk, text, and 6 gigs of data for just $30 a month. And switching is so easy. You can keep your phone and keep your number. Or get huge discounts on the latest iPhones and Androids. So what are you waiting for? Start saving today. Go to puretalk.com, type in your address to find the coverage at your home, then enter promo code HALFOFF, and you'll save an additional 50% off your first month. That's puretalk.com, promo code HALFOFF. Pure Talk is simply smarter wireless. Did you know that the average price of a used car is up over 40% from just a year ago? The cost of living has gone up and the cost for auto repairs is rising as well. The car you have needs to last you longer than ever. So if your vehicle has less than 150,000 miles with an auto warranty about to expire or with no warranty coverage at all, you need to call CarShield at 800-523-8667. We've just announced a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle service plan to help save thousands of dollars on out-of-pocket expenses for future auto repairs. While the cost for new and used cars continue to go up, CarShield offers protection plans at an all-time low. Drivers who activate their plan today will also receive 24-7 coast-to-coast roadside assistance, courtesy towing and emergency tire, battery, and key lockout service. Call 800-523-8667 today to save 20% on your plan. That's 800-523-8667. Keep your car protected. Call 800-523-8667. Again, 800-523-8667. The John Steigerwall Show. AM 1250, The Answer. Well, this has not been a good couple of years for the uh, FBI. Uh, not if the FBI is interested in being seen as a nonpartisan law enforcement agency, which is what it's supposed to be, and not the secret police for the Democratic Party. Just recently, uh, word got out that traditional Catholics were on the watch list for the FBI. How did that happen? Well, Tyler O'Neill, managing editor of the Daily Signal, is here with the answer to that. Uh, uh, Tyler, good to have you on, as always. Thanks for coming on. Hey, glad to be here. Thanks, John. So what's a traditional Catholic... And why did the FBI find them to be dangerous? Yeah, well, to, to be fair uh, to the report, these are "quote unquote" radical traditionalist okay. Catholics. Okay. So uh, whatever whatever that means, it it actually means uh, something from according to the Southern Poverty Law Center, which uh, we all know is a completely straight, fully factual, very uh, non biased uh, source. For the FBI to be using in reports like this. In fact, it is so reliable that three FBI sources told me that the official FBI guidance was to never cite the Southern Poverty Law Center, and that either that guidance had been rescinded or the people who wrote this report were in direct violation of the guidance. So, and that's how, how did the story get out then? I mean, you, you, um, you saw this, or how did this, why is this now becoming public? Yeah, so there is an FBI whistleblower 
named Kyle Saracen, who served six years at the FBI as a special agent before indef- getting indefinitely suspended last June. He is in contact with someone who is current at the FBI who leaked this memo to him. And this memo is particularly shocking because it makes no bones of the Southern Poverty Law Center, which I believe I've covered, uh, mentioned on your show before. It brands mainstream conservative and Christian nonprofit hate groups, placing them on a map with the Ku Klux Klan. So it's particularly terrifying that the federal government, and especially a federal law enforcement agency like the FBI, would be relying on this partisan smear factory. Uh, it's particularly shocking because the FBI, or my sources told me the FBI actually taught um, taught people about terrorism using a case, uh, a terrorist situation in 2012, where a, a terrorist targeted the Family Research Council because it was on the FPLC's hate map. He came in with... Uh, handgun and a bag of Chick-fil-A chicken sandwiches, planning to shoot everyone in the building and smear a Chick-fil-A sandwich in their faces. I mean, this this was an LGBT activist who found FRC on the FPLC's hate map, and apparently the FBI had been teaching this uh, as, you know, a key example of terrorism, but maybe some FBI agents in Richmond missed the memo. Yeah. Well, this document uh, title is pretty scary. Interest of racially or ethnically motivated violent extremists in radical traditional Catholic ideology almost certainly presents new mitigation opportunities. That's a mouthful. (laughs) Yes, it is a mouthful. But it's interesting to see what they mean by mitigation opportunities. Uh, Elsewhere in the document, they suggest uh, essentially infiltrating the infiltrating certain Catholic churches in order to find and target these radical traditionalist Catholics. Uh, the specific, let me see if I can get the, there. Yeah, the specific quote, the memo suggests that the FBI should monitor these Catholics through the development of sources with access, including in places of worship. Maybe, maybe get in on uh, some priests or some uh Alder boys, or maybe a couple of nuns that might sing for you. I guess that's what they're looking for? (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm not sure exactly what they're looking for, but it doesn't seem good. And it's also interesting the way that they describe these radical traditional Catholics. One of the situations they say, they note that some of these people might be Mm anti-LGBT, which is particularly interesting because the FPLC loves to brand conservative Christians anti-LGBT hate groups. Yeah. Yeah, but the, uh, if I if I um, hate uh, LGBTQ groups or people, how is that any of the FBI's business? I'm allowed to ha- I don't, but if I if I wanted to, uh, what what is what business is it of the FBI if I do as long as I'm leaving them alone? Exactly. No, and and that's the thing. They are targeting these people because of what they believe, and that is constitutionally protected under the First Amendment. You are allowed to hate people. I'm allowed to hate uh, um, any any group of people that I choose to hate, uh, and 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 other groups are perfectly uh, allowed to hate me if, because I'm, because of what group they perceive, perceive me to belong to. But when did the FBI get involved in worrying about who hates who as long as they're not committing crimes? Yeah, that's a very interesting question. They seem to have been getting involved in that increasingly in the past few years as they write these memos about racially motivated uh, violent extremists. And they, you know, this, this is just like how it began with the Southern Poverty Law Center, where they began targeting, you know, legitimately horrible white nationalists and, uh, you know, white supremacists like the KKK. But then they they expanded it and started going after more mainstream conservative organizations. And so what what it almost looks like is happening in the FBI right now very much echoes the FPLC's transition, where it used to be focused on the KKK and related groups, but now 
it is focused on more conservative groups as well, essentially lumping them in with the KKK. So were they were they finding evidence of AR-15s being handed out after the Latin Mass at St. whatever? <laughs> well, we uh, so we here at the Daily Signal uh, and the Heritage Oversight Project on our behalf have filed a FOIA request for any and all documents talking about the SPLC and Catholicism uh, and, you know, along these specific lines. So we're hoping to find any of the evidence that the FBI was allegedly using in compiling this report. Uh, but, yeah, I don't think there's, uh, there's much evidence of uh, terrorist activity at uh, St. Joseph's. Yeah, <laughs> but that's the thing. It's... it's, a, it, it's they're focusing on what they call hate groups. Are there similar documents that read like this interest of racially or ethnically motivated violent extremists, blah, 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 about any other religious group, Muslims, for example? <laughs> well, not, not that we know of, or not, you know, not that have come out recently along these lines. However, you know, the FBI had previously been infiltrating mosques. Right. Um, when they were looking for radical Islamic terrorism. So this isn't exactly outside of the FBI's... Uh, yeah, but, but Tyler, the difference is so obvious. The, the, <laughs> the Muslims had a, a long and um, uh, illustrious record of killing people and blowing things up and, and doing it blatantly in the name of their religion. There's not a lot of that going, along, going on from Catholics or, you know, Presbyterians or Methodists or... Any religious uh, group, denomination I, I, you want to name? I mean, have you heard of the Crusades? Yeah, that was eight thousand years ago. But <laughs> but, but yeah, uh, your po your point is true, and that's 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 the entire point. You know, we we are not seeing a rise in Catholic terrorism. We are not seeing a rise in terrorism committed by you know conservative Christians who might be branded hate groups by the SPLC. We're not seeing, you know, border security zealots out there. Well, I mean, there, there are a few militias, like, around the border, but we're not seeing them actually commit terrorism here. Like, no. this is, you know, this is nonsense. Yeah, and, and it's, um, it's, again, it's, they're focusing on what they interpret as hate, so if if you belong to a uh, the Catholic Church and you're a, a good practicing Catholic, you don't believe in gay marriage. Sorry, I'm a Catholic. I don't believe in it. Is that violence? Is that some reason to have the FBI knock on my door? It, and that's totally different from saying um, you're, you're, if you're a Muslim and, and you're professing that all infidels should be killed, which is out there. I, there's not there's nothing to compare that to with Catholics, Protestants, Jews, uh, and if if they were to, if this if we were talking about this story right now, and you were you would substitute Muslims for radical uh, radical traditional Catholics, um, you would get you would get a lot of pushback, wouldn't you? Or yeah. would you? I, 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 no, you you would, and the very the very same people who won't bat an eye at this report would be incensed if, you know, if, if the report was about Muslims. They'd be saying, oh, this is religious discrimination, bigotry, Islamophobia, you name it. And yet because this is talking about, you know, radical traditional Catholics and describes them as anti-Semitic, anti-immigrant, anti-LGBTQ, and white supremacists, you know, the the people who normally are all about protecting um, protecting civil rights are not touching this. And, you know, the SPLC, which, you know, at one point stood up for people's civil rights, is in the center of this controversy. Uh, we're talking to Tyler O'Neill. He's managing editor of The Daily Signal, also the author of a book, called Making Hate Pay, the Corruption of the Southern Poverty Law Center. So you know the organization, the history of that organization well. You wrote about it. 
how much influence does it have today? And you're, we're talking about it right here, having a pretty strong influence, unfortunately, on the FBI, which is hard to believe. But um, is it, you know, compared to when you, you wrote your book, is it getting stronger, weaker? Is it is it has it been exposed? What's what's the uh, how how do people look at this organization now? Yeah, no, it's um, it's hard to measure, and th- the difficulty is the SPLC had a very big scandal in 2019, but people seem to have largely ignored it. And when the SPLC comes up in things, people aren't. You know, in 2017, right after Charlottesville, the FPLC had, you know, essentially its heyday. Um, Apple CEO Tim Cook came forward and gave $2 million. Um, you know, the CNN published a hate map on its website, and a lot of, a lot of other things were happening. But ever since then, I think people have wised up a little bit. They don't lean into citing the FPLC but they will do it kind of in the background. And I mean, we saw earlier this week, you know, and, and this, this FBI document was never meant to be publicly disseminated. This was supposed to only be FBI internal. Yeah. And we also saw earlier this week, Lauren Southern's parents were booted from air, from Airbnb. And like, you know, Lauren Southern was kicked off because she quote unquote had affiliations with hate groups. And yet, you know, her parents weren't using Airbnb for her or anything. This is, you know, it seems like a guilt by association. And, of course, Airbnb, after defending the decision for a little while, then decided to rescind it and apologize. But Well, what was the hate group that she was supposed to belong to that they didn't approve of? (laughs) See, and this this is the other aspect of this that is rather nefarious. A lot of these places will take action, say, oh, you're associated with a hate group, so I'm kicking you off. Um, but then they won't, su- they won't say who the hate group is. They won't say how they define hate group. They won't go specifically into it. So I know uh, Airbnb has kicked off some people who are associated with the Proud Boys, who are associated with some of these, you know, slightly you know, more, more aggressive organizations that the SPLC monitors um, and that the SPLC brands hate groups. And then they don't usually necessarily go after the more mainstream ones, but you, you never know. And I mean, this is, this is the nefarious aspect of the SPLC is that it's a slippery slope. And once you start to believe this radical leftist organization and make it the arbiter of hate soon, find yourself blacklisting people who are not interested in terror or hate at all, but who just believe in the traditional Christian gospel. Yeah, uh, and I have about a minute and a half left here with uh, Tyler O'Neill. He's the managing editor of the Daily Signal and author of the book, Making Hate Pay, the Corruption of the Southern Poverty Law Center. Is this proof that the FBI, taking the SPLC out of it, uh, are they overly influenced by left-wing sources, including traditional media? Do they watch MSNBC too much or read, I don't know, uh, uh, left-wing uh, websites? Yeah, well, this report cites Salon and a few other places, so I think we, we can say that they are to some degree. Um, the fact The fact of the matter also is we've seen the FBI be extremely lax in following up on um, these pregnancy centers, even firebombings and various acts of vandalism. And yet the FBI at the same time is prosecuting pro-life activists. And sometimes, you know, people like Mark Hawk, who was there at an abortion clinic protesting with his son, his son apparently got accosted and he came in to defend his son and suddenly he's facing charges. And a SWAT team at four in the morning at his house. Yeah. Hey, I'm yeah, out. Exactly. I'm out of time, uh, Tyler. Uh, just for the real quick, I, I'm I'm only five foot six, and I'm going to start a group called We Hate Tall People. And <laughs> I'm, I don't know how tall you are, but you're welcome to join. But just don't tell the FBI about it. If you. If you <laughs> 
<laughs> well, if, if they're listening. <laughs> yeah, they might be. I'm a dangerous person. Hey, thanks. Thanks for coming on. As always, I'm sure we'll talk again, Tyler. Thanks. Have a go. Okay, that's Tyler O'Neill, Daily Signal. We'll be right back. With SRN News, I'm John Scott. Details are still sketchy, but the Pentagon has downed an unknown object flying in U.S. airspace within the last hour off the Alaska coastline. The object's origin is not known. China again reacting to the U.S. shootdown of the suspected spy balloon. Beijing says yes, it did refuse a call from U.S. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin after the balloon was shot down because the U.S. had not created the proper atmosphere for dialogue. Beijing is also slamming a unanimous House of Representatives vote that accused China of brazenly violating U.S. sovereignty with the balloon flight. Beijing dismissing the vote as hype and political manipulation and saying the U.S. violated international norms and set a pernicious precedent when it shot down the balloon. China insists this was a weather balloon that simply went off course. I'm Rita Foley. This is SRN News. We're entering a time of increasing hostility against people of faith, a time when Christians are going to be tested on a moral and physical and financial basis, unlike any other time in our lifetime. I'm Lance Wallnow, Christian author, evangelical leader, here to remind you that you have to take action to protect and steward what God has given you. For example, record high inflation is going to continue to eat away at the dollar, and the savings of your retirement account is in danger. Fortunately, God does provide a way. To protect your retirement, I recommend diversifying your 401k or IRA out of paper and into physical gold. And the best way to do that is with a gold IRA from Birch Gold Group. Now, to see how it works, just text the word FAITH to 989898. That'll give you access to a free info kit on gold IRAs. There are no strings attached, so text FAITH, F-A-I-T-H, to 989898 right now, and I pray your family is blessed with peace of mind because you took action. AM 1250, The Answer. Nothing says I love you more than winning $2,000 for your sweetheart. Enter the $2,000 Valentine's Day sweepstakes. It is $2,000 for you to spend on your sweetie. Increase your opportunity to win when you enter up to once per day between now and February 12th. And complete bonus activities to give you more entries. Register to win now at TheAnswerPGH.com. Hey, John Steigerwald here for Johnny and Jesse Samick, my friends over at Service Master of Greater Pittsburgh. When disaster strikes your home or business, demand the yellow van. Fire, water, or mold, Service Master's technicians are trained and equipped to get you back to normal fast. Even when dealing with insurance, you have a choice who repairs and cleans up the mess. Make sure you demand the yellow van. Call Service Master of Greater Pittsburgh. Demand the yellow van. Do you have a loved one entering a nursing home? There's a lot at stake. This is Jay Hagerman of Abernathy and Hagerman. Depending on your family's long-term care goals, there are important decisions that should be made before a facility is needed. Talk to a qualified legal professional today. At Abernathy and Hagerman, we can help your family navigate the complicated Medicaid rules so that you can properly save some or all of your life savings from a long-term care crisis. Before you apply, contact Abernathy and Hagerman at a-h.law. I didn't think it was possible to meet someone like Susan. We just clicked after realizing we each have a strong sense of self and share the same core values in life. After taking our advanced personality test, Daniel and Susan matched on Silver Singles, the secure dating site for 50-plus singles who know what they want. Sign up today at silversingles.com slash meet. That's silversingles.com slash meet. Paid actors representing true customer testimonials. Names have been changed. AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The Answer. WPGP, Pittsburgh, a division of Salem Media Group. Listen on the Answer mobile app, smart speakers, tune in, iHeart, or Odyssey. AM 1250, The Answer. Weather. It'll be breezy this evening, otherwise clouds breaking with a few flurries. The nighttime low, 25. Times of clouds and sunshine tomorrow. Tomorrow's high, 41. Partly cloudy skies tomorrow night with a low of 26. Sunny to partly cloudy skies Sunday with a high of 48. Monday, mostly cloudy, the high 47. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Drew Shannon. 
This is the John Stackerwalt Show on AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The answer. Well, we're going to close out the week with some crazy. We started talking about early in the week uh, with uh, Sarah Sanders, Huckabee Sanders, talking about the choices between normal and crazy. And I think, as I said at, the, at that time, and I, I believe it, and I'm 100% serious, the Republican Party should jump all over that, and that, that should be on billboards, it should be in mul- uh, multiple ads, TV, radio, everywhere, uh, print, you know, online, everywhere. Those, those three words should be everywhere in their message, because that's what it's come to. It's no longer... You know, arguing about whether taxes should be raised. It's, we're now talking about whether men can be pregnant. You know, that's that's crazy. That's not political discussion. So I come across this today. Uh, this is from um, where do I see this? This is from the Political uh, Insider. It's called the PoliticalInsider dot com, and the headline is "Non-Binary God" with a question mark. The Church of England, this is not a small church, these guys have been around for a while, considers making language in Scripture gender neutral. Are you ready for this? In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. At least it is for now. That's how the piece starts. The Church of England is studying and deliberating on possibly changing the language of Scripture to be gender neutral. After all, who are we to misgender God? Oh, how crazy our world has become where we have to deliberate on the gender of God, God Almighty. Uh, and the writer of this piece is Kathleen Anderson. She says, I didn't grow up in a strict religious household. Still, I can tell you that over my lifetime and personal study of Scripture, these ideologues have missed the point and perhaps could use a little more Sunday school and a little less faux outrage. So... She goes into this. She's going to dive into the arguments they're making. And I don't want to spend too much time on this because I got something really interesting on this, kind of on the same subject. But um, there's there's actually there are actually people in the Church of England thinking about figuring out a way to change he and him will be eliminated. And the phrase our father would be eliminated from the the beginning of the Lord's Prayer. That's what we're talking about here now. Maybe you're not a believer, and you think religion is dumb, and it's a fantasy, and uh, it's all a fairy tale, and you think it's ridiculous, and you're an atheist, whatever, if, if that's how you feel. But you're allowed to feel that way. But the Bible has been around for about 2,000 years. I, I mean, maybe longer than that. I don't know. It's been around a long time, okay? And um, people read it. They live by it. They believe in it. And... You can think that they're insane or that they're misguided or that they're crazy, whatever every, whatever you want to say, but seven-tenths of a, of, the, of a percentage of the population wants, would like to see 2,000 years' worth of work and, and um, history just eliminated because their feelings will be hurt if you don't do it. What, what, who... Who, put, who listens to this for five seconds? Sorry, it's the Bible. Go get your own Bible. You're a man who thinks you're a woman. We feel sorry for you. You're mentally ill. Get out. Go do what you want. We'll leave you alone. Nobody hates you. Nobody's going to hurt you. But you're not changing the English language. I'm not changing the pronoun that, that, that applies to you. And, and you aren't going to get me to accept your reality. Your reality may be that you're a woman, but you're walking around in the women's locker room with a penis. You're not a woman, okay? And you can't, I'm not, I'm not agreeing to that, okay? I'm not. It's just not, okay? And, uh, and you can't make me. So anyway, that's where that is, the, uh, a non-binary God. So this is the first I've seen of this. And it'll, it'll, um, you'll be hearing more about this, I'm sure. And I'm, I guarantee you that Democrats everywhere are nodding their head going, you know, I, just, I think that's right. You know, what, what do you mean, him? Who came up with that? Our father. Who came up with that stupidity? What do you mean, our father? Um, and so it's out there. And again, this, what really bugs me is that I have, I, I seriously, I don't have any problem with Rachel Levine, who used to be Richard Levine, 
saying he's a woman. If he wants to do that, it doesn't hurt. It doesn't affect me until he starts making health policy. Uh, in the case of him, because of he's he's the position he's in, it it doesn't bother me if he's running around in a dress with really ugly long hair. It's, he's allowed to do that. It doesn't. I I, I don't care. But uh, I, he doesn't. He doesn't get. To, to insist that I refer to him as her. He doesn't, he doesn't, because I don't think it's true. And that's what bugs me, and the, the, these, this, this minuscule, microscopic uh, population, a portion of the population, is trying to dictate to 99.93% of the world how we're, what pronouns we're going to use. And people are, are putting up with it for 10 seconds because they're afraid that if they don't, they're going to be called a hater or so, or, or some kind of a phobic. I, I'm a I'm a stupidity phobic, and I, I'm just not. I'm, I'm I'm terrified of stupidity, and it's stupid. So anyway, it's really annoying. So I come across this today, and I would I would like to get this woman on the show, but I I, I tried. I I didn't know how to get a hold of her. She wrote a, a piece for uh, something called the Free Press. Oh, it's. Uh, it's um, from the from the I'm, I, I'm, I've gone blank on her name. Uh, she's from the New York Times, and I'll think of it. Um, you, you probably know who I mean. Uh, and she's a Pittsburgh woman, by the way. But this woman, uh, she's writing it for that that uh, Substack. Uh, I thought I was saving trans kids. Now I'm blowing the whistle. And the woman's name is Jamie Reed, and she is uh, from Missouri. And just so you know where she's coming from when I tell you the stuff that she's uh, – the whistleblowing that she's doing, she says, she says, I'm a 42-year-old queer woman and politically, politically to the left of Bernie Sanders. I'm now married to a trans man, and together we are raising my two biological children from a previous marriage and three foster children we hope to adopt. And she was uh, a case manager at the Washington University Transgender Center at St. Louis Children's Hospital, okay? And I'm going to read you know, verbatim a lot of what she wrote. During the four years I worked at the clinic as a case manager, I was responsible for patient intake and oversight. Around 1,000 distressed young people came through our doors. The majority of them received hormone prescriptions that can, save, that can have life-altering consequences, including sterility. I left the clinic in November last year because I could no longer participate in what was happening there. By the time I departed, I was certain that the way the American medical system is treating these patients is the opposite of the promise we make to, quote, unquote, do no harm. Instead, we are permanently harming the vulnerable patients in our care. Almost everyone in my life advised me to keep my head down, but I cannot in good conscience do so because what is happening to scores of children is far more important than my comfort, and what is happening to them is morally and medically appalling. Now, remember, this is a, a woman who's married to a trans man. She's, she's gay, and she says she's the, to the left of Bernie Sanders. And this is what she's saying about how she saw things developing there at the hospital at the transgender center. At first, the patient population was tipped toward what used to be the traditional instance of a child with gender dysphoria, a boy, often quite young, who wanted to present as or who wanted to be a girl. Until 2015 or so, a very small number of these boys comprised the population of pediatric gender dysphoria cases. Then, across the Western world, there came to be, there began to be a dramatic increase in a new population. Teenage girls many with no previous history of gender distress, suddenly declared they were transgender and demanded immediate treatment with testosterone. I certainly saw this at the center. One of my jobs was to do intake for new patients and their families. When I started, there were probably 10 such calls a month. When I left, there were 50, and about 70% of the new patients were girls. Sometimes clusters of girls arrived from the same high school. This concerned me. Uh, but I didn't feel I was in the position to sound some kind of alarm back then. There was a team of about eight of us, and only one other person brought up the kinds of question I had. Anyone who raised doubts ran the risk of being called, what? A transphobe. Frequently, our patients declared they had disorders that no one believed they had. We had patients who said they had Tourette syndrome, but they didn't. They had tic disorders, but they didn't. That they had multiple personalities, but they didn't. 
the doctors privately recognized these false self-diagnoses as a manifestation of social contagion, meaning it's, you know, the in thing to do is be transgender or to be whatever these other syndromes were. They even acknowledged that suicide has an element of social contagion. But when I said the clusters of girls streaming into our service looked as if their gender issues might be a manifestation of social contagion, the doctor said gender identity reflected something innate. So in all the other cases, it wasn't the, uh, the, the, uh, the, the social contagion, but uh, it was social contagion, but not in um, transgender. To begin transitioning, the girls needed a letter of support from a therapist. The next stop was a single visit to the endocrinologist for a testosterone prescription. When a female takes testosterone, the profound and permanent effects of that hormone can be seen in a matter of months. Voices drop, beards sprout, body fat is redistributed, sexual interest explodes, aggression increases, and mood can be unpredictable. As the center's website said, left untreated, gender dysphoria has any number of consequences from self-harm to suicide, but when you take away the gender dysphoria by allowing a child to be who he or she is, we're noticing that goes away. The studies we have show these kids often wind up functioning psychosocially as well as or, well as or better than their peers. Okay? That's what uh, she's being told. So... Moving along here, she says, how little patients understood what they were getting into was illustrated by a call we received at the center in 2020 from a, 20, from a 17-year-old biological female patient who was on testosterone. She said she was bleeding from the vagina. In less than an hour, she had soaked through an extra heavy pad, her jeans and a towel she had wrapped around her waist. The nurse at the center told her to go to the emergency room right away. It goes into other details that I want to get into here, but... She goes on to say, These are, there are rare conditions in which babies are born with atypical genitalia, cases that call for sophisticated care and, and, and compassion, but clinics like the one where I worked are creating, that's in italics, a whole cohort of kids with atypical genitals, and most of these teens haven't have even had sex yet. They had no idea who they were going to be as adults, yet all it took for them to permanently transform themselves was one or two short conversations with a therapist. This is sick. And this is a woman who witnessed it and is blowing the whistle. Being put on powerful doses of testosterone or estrogen, enough to try to trick your body into mimicking the opposite sex, affects the rest of the body. I doubt that any patient who's ever consented to give their kid testosterone, any parent, I should say, I doubt that any parent who's ever consented to give their kid testosterone, a lifelong treatment, knows that they're also possibly signing their kid up for blood pressure medication, cholesterol medication, and perhaps sleep apnea and diabetes. This, uh, no matter how much suffering or pain a child had endured or how little treatment and love they had received, our doctors viewed gender transition, even with all the expense and hardship it entailed, as the solution. And here's another one. Another disturbing aspect of the center was its lack of regard for the rights of parents and the extent to which doctors saw themselves as more informed decision makers over the fate of these children. In Missouri, only one parent's consent is required for treatment of their child, but when there was a dispute between the parents, it seemed the center always took the side of the affirming parent. My concerns about this approach to dissenting parents grew in 2019 when one of our doctors actually testified in a custody hearing against a father who opposed a mother's wishes to start their 11-year-old daughter on puberty blockers. One of the saddest cases of detransition, she goes on to talk about detransition. One of the saddest cases of detransition I witnessed was a teenage girl who, like so many of our patients, came from an unstable family, was in an uncertain living situation, and had a history of drug use. The overwhelming majority of our patients are white, but this girl was black. She was put on hormones at the center when she was around 16. When she was 18, she went in for a double mastectomy. That's known as top surgery. Three months later, she called the surgeon's office to say she was going back to her birth name and that her pronouns were she and her. Heartbreakingly, she told the nurse, I want my breasts back. The surgeon's office contacted our office because they didn't know what to say to this girl. My colleague and I said that we would reach out. It took a while to track her down. When we did, we made sure that she was in decent mental health, that she was not actively suicidal, that she was not using substances. The last I heard, she was pregnant. Of course, she'll never be able to breastfeed her child. Another example. 
January 6, 2022, I received an email from a staff therapist asking me for help with a case of a 16-year-old transgender male living in another state. Parents are open to having patients see a therapist but are not supportive of gender, and patient uh, does not want parents to be aware of gender identity. I am having a challenging time finding a gender-affirming therapist. I replied, this is the, the writer, I do not ethically agree with linking a minor patient to a therapist who would be gender-affirming with gender as a focus of their work without that being discussed with the parents and the parent agreeing to that kind of care. Well, no, that got her in trouble. So the people started calling her transphobic for having that opinion. In all my years at the Washington University School of Medicine, I had received solidly positive performance reviews, but in 2021 that changed. I got a below-average mark for my judgment, quote-unquote, and working relationships slash cooperative spirit, quote-unquote. Although I was described as responsible, conscientious, hardworking, and productive, the evaluation also noted, quote, at times, Jamie responds poorly to direction from management with defensiveness and hostility. This is hostility. What, what I've been telling you, they looked at that as hostility. Things came to a head uh, at a half-day retreat in summer of 22, 2022. In front of the team, the doctor said that my colleague and I had to stop questioning, quote, the medicine and the science as well as their authority. Then an, an administrator told us we had to, quote, get on board or get out. It became, became clear that the purpose of the retreat was to deliver these messages to us. So... She ends up getting a job conducting research in another – she left and got a research in another part of the Washington University School of Medicine. She gave her notice and left in November of 2022. And then this is the, this is the killer here. How much time I got, Mike? Got enough? Okay. Uh, then I came across comments from – are you ready? Dr. Rachel Levine, a transgender woman who was a high official at the Federal Department of Health and Human Services. The article read, Levine – the U.S. Assistant Secretary for Health uh, said that clinics are proceeding carefully and that no American children are receiving drugs or homo- hormones for gender dysphoria who shouldn't. That's what the He's in the federal government. He's number two in the federal government in the health department. Two weeks ago, I brought my concerns and documents to the attention of Missouri's attorney general. He is a Republican. I am a progressive. But the safety of children should not be a matter for our culture wars. And here's, here's uh, the ending coming up here. This is Jamie Green. Given the secrecy and lack of rigorous standards that characterize youth gender transition across the country, I believe that to ensure the safety of American children, we need a moratorium on the hormonal and surgical treatment of young people with gender dysphoria. And there is a clear path for us to follow. Just last year, England announced that it would... We've talked about this on the show. England announced that it would close the Tavistock's Youth Gender Clinic, then the NHS's only such clinic in the country after an investigation revealed shoddy practices and poor patient treatment. Sweden and Finland, too, have investigated pediatric transition and greatly curbed the practice, finding there is insufficient evidence of help and danger of great harm. So this is... uh, Her name is... um, Green, what did I say her name was? Uh, I lost the page here. Um, well, anyway, I'll get, to, I'll, I'll get to this thing. It's not, it's not important right now. Um, I want to get to this before we have to go to the break. This is the last paragraph. Experiments are supposed to be carefully designed. Hypotheses are supposed to be tested ethically. The doctors I worked alongside at the Transgender Center said frequently about the treatment of our patients, quote, we are building the plane while we are flying it. No one should be a passenger on that kind of aircraft. I'll be right back. First, we decide where we want to go. Then we need to know the best way to get there. Hi, my name's Adam Barada. I'm the owner of Advantage Gold. We're the highest rated precious metals firm in the country. We teach people how to own physical gold and silver. Now, we've won the Best of TrustLink Award four years in a row because we educate our clients on how to buy gold and silver the right way. We don't pay celebrity spokespeople millions of dollars. We'd rather pass that value on to you. Call 800-900-8000 and speak with one of our experts. We'll send you a free gold kit along with my latest number one national best-selling book, The Great Devaluation. Call 800-900-8000. That's 800-900-8000. Get the best information, the best process, the best service, the best value. 
Call Advantage Gold at 800-900-8000. Call 800-900-8000. Advantage Gold is not an investment advisor or a tax advisor. Consult with your financial advisor before investing. Call 800-900-8000. John Steigerwall Show, AM 1250, The Answer. Uh, by the way, the woman's name is Jamie Reed, and uh, she is she is a liberal, a progressive, as she says, and um, she says it's time to stop. And so... For all the people who are on Twitter telling me what a hater I am for saying that these people need help and not uh, necessarily to be cheered on, uh, you have to read this by Jamie Reed. Just Google Jamie Reed and uh, whistleblower, and you'll find it. i gotta, I got to find the website maybe I'll, before I get off, but if not, you can find it. Jamie, J-A-M-I-E, Reed. So about, about out of, just about out of time here, but uh, I wanted to mention here that uh, Joe Biden's State of the Union ratings were really in the toilet. Uh, he, it looks like uh, a mere 27.3 million people watched the, his second State of the Union address on television. It's the second smallest audience for the annual event in at least 30 years, according to Nielsen, a drop of nearly 28 percent from the 38.2 million tuned in to his State of the Union in, 30, in 2022. Donald Trump, uh, his his second State of the Union address in 2019 had 46,789,000 television viewers. Again, Joe had 27 million. Donald had 46 million. Joe is the guy who got 81 million votes and won the presidency. The only smaller audience since 1993 was the 26.9 million who watched Biden's address to Congress in 2021 not officially a State of the Union speech since he had just taken office a few months earlier. That speech was delivered on the unusually late date of April 28th. But the most stunning number, this is from PJ Media, by the way, the most stunning number, according to Nielsen, nearly three-quarters, 73% of those who watched the speech were 55 and older, and only 5% were under age 35. And as I think I mentioned here a time or two during the week, and we were talking about this stupid uh, State of the Union address. It's a dumb idea. It's just dumb. It's become dumb since it's, was, it's been televised live. Uh, he, the, the president should fulfill his constitutional obligation, send the speech over, and let them read it, and let them leak what they want to leak, and show it to CNN or Fox News, and just, you know, analyze it all you want, but take it off TV. We can be spared seeing Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez stand up and sit down. I'll talk to you Monday. The John Steigerwald Show is a production of Salem Media Group and sponsored by Service Master of Greater Pittsburgh. Demand the Yellow Van. Three star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to, he understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.